This is an ABC podcast. Hello, it's Sana Kadar from All in the Mind. So this week and next, we'll be bringing you programming as part of the ABC's Your Mental Health Initiative. It's all about focusing on mental health, given the unprecedented challenges and stresses we've all faced during the COVID-19 pandemic. This week's story takes us to another part of the world, and that's Zimbabwe, where one in four people are estimated to suffer from depression or anxiety. And that was before COVID-19 even hit. The really troubling thing, though, is there are fewer than 20 psychiatrists in the whole country, which has a population of over 14 million people. But a group of grandmothers have been stepping in to fill that gap. The BBC's Kim Chakanetsa has this story of a unique program started by one Zimbabwean psychiatrist who's enlisted the help of some 700 grandmothers to make mental health care more affordable and accessible. On a small bench in Zimbabwe's capital Harare, two women are in the middle of a conversation. The older woman is called Lucy Angabu. And she is asking Emily, the younger woman, how her plans to fund her vegetable business are going and whether Emily is feeling a little less unhappy today. This wooden bench they are sitting on, out in the open, is known as the friendship bench. There are 250 benches in Zimbabwe in total, and they've become an innovative and highly successful way to offer an ear to those who are struggling with their mental health. By making therapy accessible, they are helping solve not just Zimbabwe's, but the mental health crisis around the world. I'm Kim Chakanetsa. Emily and Lucia aren't friends. Emily is actually a client, and Lucia is part of a team of community grandmothers who help individuals struggling with depression, anxiety and trauma. The grandmothers are trained and drawn from the community around them. This simple act of turning benches into destinations for therapy is having astounding results. It was pioneered by the Zimbabwean psychiatrist, Dr. Dixon Chibanda. It really evolved from, I guess, a crisis, if you want. After the Zimbabwean crackdown on slums. In 2006, we had the notorious operation um, Rambatsina, as they called it, or remove the filth. And that resulted in hundreds of thousands of people being left uh, homeless. It left over a million people psychologically and emotionally affected. And this is how the whole idea of trying to come up with a, a way of addressing this massive burden Zimbabwe had a population of 12 million, up to a quarter of whom had mental health issues. But there was little provision and few were in a position to seek professional therapy. We were in a very bad situation because at the time I was the only psychiatrist working in the public health space in Zimbabwe. Often people would go to your traditional healers when they were desperate because we don't really have evidence-based programs. The few that are there can only address the needs of less than 10% of the population or the people that need mental health services. 
And where did this idea of the friendship bench come from? It was largely an iterative process. I'd be lying if I said I woke up and thought, hey, how about a bench? <laughs> it actually involved quite a number of people, particularly the grandmothers themselves. So I just wanted to know if you have made any progress on the issues we discussed. Oh, I feel much better. And I'm following your advice. When I start thinking too much, I find something to do to distract me from dwelling for too long on my problems. You've mentioned the grandmothers and the bench. How do the two come together? So over the years, it obviously has evolved. But initially, the whole concept evolved around training grandmothers in the basics of what we call cognitive behavioral therapy, with an emphasis on problem-solving therapy and uh, behavior activation. I'm thinking as we're coming into winter, I could borrow some money from the savings club and buy blankets to sell. You are going to borrow more. Is paying back not going to be a problem? I don't think so. I'm going to work hard. I think I'll sell more. Were people supportive of the idea? Initially, no. Initially, there was a lot of scepticism, a lot of resistance, particularly from colleagues who thought this was not evidence-based and uh, it wasn't going to work. The whole idea of training grandmothers, I mean, this has not been done anywhere else in the world. So naturally, there was resistance. Were you at all apprehensive? I was, to be quite honest. idea was to actually train the nurses in the primary healthcare facilities. But because the nursing staff were not available, because they are very busy doing a lot of other things, the city health authorities then informed me that you have to try and come up with something working with these grandmothers. And you also can't use any of the buildings. You have to do it outside, So that, hence the bench. <laughs> do you remember your first grandmother? Yes, I do. Of course, I do remember <laughs> Grandmother Jack. You know, initially she was, I would say she was the most difficult grandmother because she, she was very pessimistic. She just didn't think this was something that would work. Mm. But once she bought into it, she became a real ally. She, she was instrumental in, uh, in providing direction and wisdom in the friendship bench as it, as it evolved. Because initially it was really run out of pocket. I mean, I run Friendship Bench from my government salary as a psychiatrist. With the help of funding from organisations all around the world, Dixon has managed to grow the project. The team in Zimbabwe remains a small one and they continue to recruit using the seemingly limitless resource of grandmothers from the local community. People who meet our core competencies, you know, which is very simple. Mm. You have to be able to read. You have to be able to use a mobile phone. They come on board and then we train them. After six weeks of training in the basics of cognitive behavioural therapy, which is about talking through your problems and changing the way you think and behave, the grandmothers are ready to meet their first clients. The benches are mainly located outside healthcare centres and under the shade of a tree. There, the clients, who are referred by friends, family or clinicians, are first asked a series of questions by the grandmothers to assess their mental health. SSQ is a Shona symptom questionnaire with 14 questions. Epi Munetzi, project coordinator at the Friendship Bench. Questions like, are there times when you think deeply or think about many things? Or have you lost temper sometimes or you easily get annoyed over trivial things? or you're frightened, 
These are just examples of the questions which can be asked. And so if the client responds and says yes to about eight, we deem that client with depression or with common mental disorders. Say they score nine and above on the SSQ, you know, which is our cutoff score to start the actual therapy. The grandmothers would normally start the conversation by simply saying, would you like to share your story with me? Very unusual form of therapy, but we've learned over the years that storytelling is powerful. And when you let people tell their stories in a structured way, which enables you to empower them, you get powerful results. Grandmother Lucia Ngabu again. People sometimes come and tell us that a neighbor or a friend seems to be having problems. We talk to whoever needs help. The first session is the most difficult. Sometimes they can be reluctant to talk, and it may take time before they open up. They're coming mostly with domestic problems, money problems, illness, lack of accommodation. Domestic violence, gender-based violence, um, HIV. There's still a lot of stigma associated with um, living with HIV and unemployment issues related to children or family members who are struggling, who are not well. In the general, you know, psychosocial upheavals that are characteristic of, uh, of Zimbabwe. We get women having problems with their husbands. Their husband may have left or sometimes they have no money and they don't know how to support themselves. Otilia Wadi is a 66-year-old grandmother, a friendship bench counsellor since 2017. We tell them that we don't give out any cash, but we do sit down with them and give them ideas on what to do. Because when you overthink things, that's when you consider suicide. If you have people who are faced with numerous problems... One of the things we find on Friendship Bench is they struggle to actually decide which problem to focus on. And through Friendship Bench, when they are able to focus on a specific problem, they are then able to problem solve and use those problem solving skills to actually problem solve around money issues. I mean, it's so common for people to come to the Friendship Bench and say, I don't have money for school fees and that's stressing me. And often by the time they leave the friendship bench, they know exactly how they're going to get that money. Is it interactive? Are they just listening or are they also sharing their stories? So they do share their stories. And that's one of the powers of this this form of therapy. You know, when I was training as a psychiatrist, we were often told to not share our own personal experiences, our own emotions. And one of the things I've learned from the grandmothers is it aids in creating a strong therapeutic alliance. See, these are elderly people. They have loads and loads of stories to share. Uh, listening to someone who has probably experienced what you're going through yourself, I think that's really powerful. <laughs> Jikomborero is a 42-year-old mother, and she was finding life difficult when her husband went off to South Africa. I was really down because my husband had taken another wife, and he didn't send any money home. And I was HIV positive. I really didn't want to go at first because I was worried they would tell everyone, but I went. 
and the grannies are now my friends. You know, I felt better after just three sessions. They pointed me in the right direction. The grandmothers first help the clients to understand what the problems are and to see that they might be a solution. They then explore what they can actually achieve and once there's a plan in place, they follow up with lots of encouragement. Lucia again. The ideal is one client a day. But sometimes we can see a returning client. People are always free to come back whenever they like. You know, before we did the training, we didn't know how to help people with problems like these. We used to think of people with mental health problems as crazy. Now we know it's not like that. Mental health issues are stigmatized against. People are quick to think that one is just pretending to be sick. Epi again. In most countries of Africa, mental health has never been seen as a psychological problem per se. It is linked with witchcraft. Hence, it's very difficult for other people to really embrace mental health as a problem. People always want to link it with some kind of naughty behavior which took place and hence this is just a, an avenging spirit. That's how it is taken. So for that reason, it is very difficult for some people to embrace the Friendship Bench Project unless if the intervention takes the shape which uh, Dixon used, that of training people who reside within the communities so that they can actually help other people within the communities. Why do you think, Dixon, that the bench works? It works because it's simple, it's cheap, and it's run by communities, particularly grandmothers, who are, in essence, a resource in African communities. You know, they are the custodians of local culture and wisdom. That's why it works. And it, I guess, does away with Western concepts, which remove the stigma that is normally associated with mental illness. I understand what makes things even more complicated is there's the language around mental health is also not often there. I know in Shona, for example, there's no real equivalent of the word depression, right? We use kufungisisa, which means thinking too much. Yes. And you know, language I've learned over the years actually fuels stigma. A lot of the Western concepts that are used in mental health or in psychiatry actually fuel stigma when you bring them to Africa because people cannot identify with those terms. And this is one of the things that we deliberately have done with Friendship Bench to actually move away from using Western concepts and terms. We define conditions based on what our community grandmothers see and we define the actual intervention again based on what the grandmothers or the local communities resonate with. When I first started this, the whole idea was to, in fact, I did call it the mental health bench and uh, surprisingly nobody came to the mental health bench. People only started coming to the bench when we changed the name. You know, I was coming in there as a psychiatrist thinking, you know, it has to be mental health bench. We have to be scientific. And the grandmothers were like, no, that won't work. Why not grandfathers? Why just grandmothers? Friendship Bench is all about creating space and letting people share their stories. Friendship Bench is not about giving advice. And over the years, we've learned that grandfathers are not very good at giving space. 
you know, there are a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. We've worked with grandfathers before, but <laughs> mansplaining, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, what do you think the grandmothers get out of this? One of my colleagues, Ruth, who is a clinical psychologist, looked into what it was the grandmothers were getting because we were concerned that, you know, they might be really struggling themselves with common mental disorders and all these different issues. They are dealing with people who are constantly struggling with emotional, psychological issues. But we found that the grandmothers who are actually involved in Friendship Bench have a much lower prevalence rate of common mental disorders in comparison to grandmothers who are not doing this work. And um, our qualitative studies show that the grandmothers are actually getting this this enormous sense of purpose, you know, where they feel appreciated. And that seems to be quite powerful for them. Otilia again. We are now respected as we go about our rounds. It is good. And we get an allowance. We started off getting $5 a month, but now it's $10. I can handle two clients a day maximum. It is tiring. But we pace ourselves. I am still fit and I feel it's a calling, a gift from God to work for my community. Lucia again. We now have a lot of friends in the community. Some actually invite us to see how their lives have turned around. Have I ever felt there's someone I haven't been able to help? If there's a case with red flags, We ask a senior counsellor to help. Presumably they are cases the the friendship bench is unable to help. True. We use an algorithm Mm -hmm. and that algorithm provides direction in terms of what the grandmothers can do and what they can't do. And based on that screening tool, the grandmothers will identify what we call red flags. People who are suicidal or people who are psychotic, people who are in need of referral to the next level. So those people are immediately referred by the grandmothers. Now, what we've done over the years is grandmothers who've been involved for three to five years become peer supervisors. So if a new grandmother is stuck or has a red flag, she sends to an older grandmother. If that older grandmother gets stuck, she then sends to one of our more senior counsellors or psychologists. We can refer the clients to Harare Hospital, to psychiatrists. That is when we see that the client is not responding maybe to what we are t- telling them, what we are instructing them to do, or what we are talking to them about. But there are rare cases. In most cases, our trained layout workers are now able to manage most of the cases. And do you have an idea of how many people have been treated? In Zimbabwe alone, you know, in the last three years or so, we've reached out to over 50,000 people. And how many grandmothers do you have working across Zimbabwe? At the moment, we are at 500 grandmothers and we intend to actually train a thousand grandmothers this year. And uh, within the next three years, we want to train 3,000 grandmothers. And our target as Friendship Bench is to reach a million people in the next two to three years. So a million people sitting on the bench receiving therapy from a trained community grandmother. That is the big vision. And how do you measure success? That's a good question and a difficult one too. Mm. 
there are two ways of uh, of measuring success. The first is the screening tool that we use, which is our entry point. So normally people who are taken care of on the bench have a high score on the screening tool. And success is measured by the level or the drop in the, in the initial screening. But also there are other ways of measuring success, which I actually prefer to these more clinical ways. My personal measure of success is the number of people that have engaged in meaningful activities in their communities, the number of people who are able to take care of their families. And when it comes to women, the number of women who have become independent. So a randomised controlled trial assessed your work. What did it tell you about the success of the project? The first thing that we've learned about the Friendship Bench is your traditional therapies, such as cognitive behavioural therapy, which um, have always been believed to be interventions that are within the realm of experts, you know, psychiatrists or clinical psychologists. We now know that these interventions can actually be delivered by non-professionals. We've also learned from Friendship Bench that actually when you train community health workers, in our case, when you train grandmothers, they can actually produce results which are much better than those which are produced by your doctors or even psychiatrists. But when did the benches take off internationally? When did you realise you could be exporting this Zimbabwean concept to the world? It was after we published our first big study in the Journal of the American Medical Association, which is quite a big journal internationally. Suddenly, we were in the, in the media, like, big time. And I, I, I kind of didn't understand what was happening. I thought, but it's just the bench and a few grandmothers, you know. And, uh, but what was happening at the time? Were you getting phone calls? Phone calls, people wanting to interview, um, you know, invitations to speak. That's when I realized that, well, maybe we were onto something that we could actually share with the rest of the world. We have a fringe bench uh, in Kenya. In Botswana. In Malawi. Zanzibar. And we are now found in New York City. And they are looking at expanding, going into Rwanda, Liberia and London. And as the Friendship Bench is taken up internationally, it adapts to each location. In Malawi, they are focused on HIV clinics, in Kenya, tea plantations, and in New York... Our Friendship Benches are actually non-traditional in design. They're what looks like very big orange Legos. Takesha White, Acting Assistant Commissioner for the Bureau of Health Equity Capacity Building in New York. Friendship Benches can be run from a place of worship. It can be run from a park. We've even set up at, at the beach here in New York City. Here, they are supported by the Department for Health, and the benches are places where people can then be connected to care referred on or pointed towards other places for support. But why does New York need them at all? One of the challenges that we do not have in New York City is that there are no psychologists or psychiatrists or social workers. Some of the challenges are really around stigma or um, access to care or relevant care. There are still, of course, confounding factors like racism, prejudice, uh, historical disinvestment that create extenuating barriers for individuals in the neighborhoods to connect with care. 
one of the things we wanted to really think about was let's get folks who have navigated this system, people who have um, been diagnosed with a mental health condition, maybe experienced homelessness or um, are in recovery from substance misuse. And those are the folks that are our friendship bench peers. And let's have them be available to help let folks know that recovery is possible and help is possible even in a space that they may not have necessarily trusted And just as the friendship bench idea is sparking interest through Africa, so Takesha gets calls from all over the United States. So we've spoken with folks across the country who have reached out from California to Chicago saying, wow, how can we learn about friendship benches? How can we get friendship benches model? Okay, shall we start? So the success of the friendship bench model is such that Dixon is giving a tutorial on it at the London School of Tropical Hygiene and Medicine to MSc students studying global health. Keen to not just explain the original idea, but to expand it, he's now developing an online version called Inuka. Inuka is a digital platform which provides a friendship bench therapy approach using real trained coaches or the equivalent of grandmothers. And he's also rolling out a youth version peer-to-peer friendship benches in universities. That's an exciting uh, component of friendship bench. We call it the uni friendship bench. We've started off with uh, two universities, one in Bindura and one in Harare, the University of Zimbabwe. You know, if you look at the age groups between uh, 16 to 28, you know, suicide is one of the leading causes of death. So it's, uh, it's a huge global problem. In March this year, COVID-19 became an urgent global problem. Dixon flew home to an array of new challenges. It's, it's a very foreign concept in Africa, the idea of, of distancing, physical distancing. Loneliness is a global epidemic, but again, it's becoming more conspicuous as a result of... We always had issues with intimate partner violence, uh, but it's now become a lot more. So people more. need to survive. People need to go to work. And he had to encourage the grandmothers to move their conversations to their phones as they themselves are vulnerable. The Friendship Bench works with elderly women and quite a number of them have secondary health issues. And so if we cannot have a Friendship Bench as a physical bench, at least we want to make the Friendship Bench available at the click of your your phone. Dixon, unflappable and undaunted, ramped up the Inuka app and threw himself into training hundreds of people to offer a global online friendship bench. At the moment, we have people from Zimbabwe, from Kenya, from the Netherlands and the UK who have been trained to provide the Inuka or WhatsApp-based chat services. And they are all trained in the friendship bench approach. So you can go to the Inuka platform and we will immediately schedule a session with one of our, our counsellors. And he sees the long-term advantage in building up the digital side for the younger generation. A lot of young people who come to the bench prefer to carry on with sessions using their phones. And so now we really have this opportunity to provide that as an alternative when things go back to normal. They will have their first session on the bench and they will be offered the opportunity to have subsequent sessions through the platform. The impact of the pandemic may likely curtail the number of grandmothers Dixon can train this year, but he remains committed to his vision. Let me, let me put it this way. By the time I retire, I would like 
a bench to be within walking distance in every community across the world. It's, it sounds grandiose, but I, I would really like to give it a good shot. That's Dr. Dixon Chibanda ending that story by the BBC's Kim Chakanetsa and producer Sarah Bowen. Now, before we go, I want to tell you about another ABC program called Sporty. Many of you have told us that exercise and connecting with friends and family have been the most important ways you've managed your mental health during lockdown. So in response to this, the Sporty program on Radio National has launched a 60-day fitness challenge for whatever your level of fitness is or isn't. All you need to do is set yourself an achievable personal goal that increases your physical activity. It might be going for a run or a walk each day. One of the benefits of walking is you can connect in a way that you can't with any other activity. If someone's got a spouse or a partner and you, you know, you're a bit upset with each other, often going for a walk together, you could be walking for a while, then suddenly you're holding hands. So you're connecting your thinking as well. Or maybe you'd like to make your challenge learning to tap dance. Firstly, it's really great for your brain. You have to get your brain right down to your feet and you can't think of anything else and that relieves a lot of stress. So it's kind of like a physical and an emotional high. So this sporty fitness challenge could be just the inspiration you're looking for to put your lockdown lethargy behind you. For details, go to the RN homepage and look for Sporty or tune in anytime on the ABC Listen app. That's all in the mind for this week. Thanks to producer Diane Dean and sound engineer Tim Jenkins. I'm Sana Kadar. Catch you next time. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.